0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ranger for Life podcast. I'm your host, Bryce Mahoney, and my guest today is Luke Ryan. Luke, thank you for joining us on the show today. I will give you this opportunity to uh, give, us, give us your intro, please.
1: Hey, yeah, Bryce, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so I was a 375 Ranger. I was in for four years and a bit. Went on uh, four deployments to Afghanistan, wound up as a team leader, and got out after my initial enlistment. Kind of bounced around the U.S. after that. And
0: What time frame were you talking, year-wise?
1: Uh, 2010 to 2014. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I just... And then after that, you know, I, I went to school. I went to school in San Francisco and then transferred to a different school in Tampa, so... Like I said, I kind of bounced around a little bit and it wound up getting my degree in English literature and, and worked. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you please. Yeah, I worked in, uh, I, I started my own business for a while and worked in film and did, did, uh, filmmaking for local vendors in Tampa, pretty much making commercials or social media videos, that sort of thing, uh, wound it up we we were on our way to success, but wound up just not enjoying it a lot. Uh, I found with my gotcha. transition, you know, you got to kind of balance what's successful or what could be successful with what you just like doing. You know, if you, if you hate your life, you hate your life. There's, you know, not no amount of money is going to be able to fix that. So absolutely uh, transition more into writing after that. Uh, I really love writing. I love, I do love filmmaking and, you know, working my way, towards success in that regard, but, but have been doing a lot more writing. You know, I, uh, worked as a journalist for a while and, uh, wrote a book. So, uh, edited a couple books too. just, yeah.
0: Right on. And, and so like, let's, let's rewind a little bit. Let's go back to team leader Ryan and like your, when, when did you make the decision to get out of the military? Was that like a forethought decision? I'm doing one and out or, or, well, what, why, why, you know, you get to team leader and then you get out. What, tell, explain that for me.
1: Yeah. Well, like everyone else, you know, you, you always have this idea in your mind, you, you know, someone pisses you off and you're like, oh, I'm getting out, you know, so you'd say that you sure. would or, or, you know, but also like everyone else, I I went back and forth a lot. You know, it was, uh, I, I had a relatively su- successful career there, um, you know, and I, I, I don't know that you can say that I really enjoyed, you know, the training cycles and stuff like that. But you know, you, you feel a sense of purpose and belonging, and and of course, really, I was really passionate about, especially the leadership aspect, and I really loved, you know, just I loved hard training, and I loved, you know, going out on target on deployments and and all that stuff, man. Um, but there, I had it in my mind. I've always wanted to do the same thing. I've always wanted to get into filmmaking and into writing as a, as a professional. So that, that was always in the back of my mind and I've actually been blessed to have that. A lot of guys don't have that. So that's always in the back of my, that was always in the back of my mind when I was in battalion was I have this overarching goal in my life in general that I want to strive toward. So at at the end of the day, when I was in battalion that, that just sort of took precedence um, and sure. I got, also got the opportunity to go on a trip in a conflict zone in Burma, Myanmar, whatever you want to call it, uh, yeah. about a year after I got out and, and I really enjoyed doing that. And it was really cathartic for me. And, and that was another reason why I wanted to get out was so I could go over there. Right on. But yeah, um, and you know, I mean, for I, I think... thought
0: I I thought I lost you for a sec. It got quiet and I was nope.
1: like, Oh I yeah. guess either he's <laughs> gone sorry. or I
0: lost him. But so no, that's that's <laughs> awesome. And and so that's kinda great to hear that it, it sounds like you um, you know, getting out of the military, you already had like film and everything as your target. Like that was your plan getting out of the military.
1: Correct? And like I said, man, yes, it was. And like I okay. said, it, it it's so, it was so helpful for me to have a ladder to climb, even if I didn't know where the rungs were, even if I didn't know exactly specifically which route I was going to take, you know, I'd have an idea of this opportunity or that opportunity and you know how things go. It, it changes yes. at every turn and you just, you remain adaptable and flexible and you just roll with the punches. And I'm, you know, I think a lot of Rangers are are good at that, but, but I, I think I was definitely lucky to have that specific, this specific thing in mind to work toward that really, that really helped me out. I think a lot of guys have all this drive and passion and they, they don't, they don't know where to put it when they get out. And I, I've seen a lot of my friends struggle with that. And sometimes they don't even need a specific goal. Like I do. Sometimes they just need a ladder to start climbing. And then they put all the, that awesome energy and work ethic and discipline into that thing and they just crush it but they got to grab onto something first. And and so that definitely helped me having that very specific thing to grab onto.
0: Yeah. I mean, imagine, imagine that like, and and that comes with an understanding that like the rung, the rungs on the ladder, they start with the first Mm -hmm. one off the ground. And for some people that, that, that first step up, that first ladder rung might be just getting up in the morning at a, at a reasonable hour uh, and maybe doing PT first thing in the morning and,
1: I mean, oh yeah, dude! Like for sure,
0: the whole the whole Admiral Admiral McRaven speech at UT or whatever it was, where he talks about mm-hmm. like you know you want to change the world, got to make start by making your bed. Like there's there's science, there's something behind like starting your day off correctly, like disciplined and and things like that. And people people notice yeah. the difference. You know, there's there are obviously the people that are like I'm not, I was I, I am and never will be a morning person. Hey, that's cool. Yeah. But, I I found so much more clarity in, in my life when I started going back and doing morning PT. It just made my
1: day better. I'll, I'll tell you, yeah, totally. I'll I'll tell you right now. I'm I'm one of those people. I'm not a morning person, <laughs> but I've had to accept the fact. You know, I I did it in battalion just because you have to. Yeah. But I recently I've had to accept the fact that just because I'm not a morning person, I'm still. I think I'm convinced that everyone's supposed to be. So it, it, it it benefits me to just make myself be more of a morning person to just, and it's little stuff like that is what you're talking about in the army. You never, there's this idea that, you know, you're, you're doing this really hard thing, which you are, but at the end of the day, people are still taking care of those basic necessities for you. They're forcing you to instill discipline in your own life. They're forcing you to be physically fit and mentally sharp. And so they're holding your hand in like the worst way possible, but they're still holding your hand. And when you get out, you don't have that anymore. And it's hard to realize that because it's, you know, it sucked so much. It was, it was physically demanding, mentally demanding. Um, And, you know, even if you enjoyed it, it, it it sucked in the sense that it wasn't like a cakewalk. Um, And so, you know, you get out. You have to do that stuff yourself. All those that stuff you're talking about. You know, and you have to instill Absolutely. that discipline into your own life, and not just your professional life into your into your personal life too.
0: Yeah, there's something to be said for that. I mean, and and it, and like that. I think that comes back to uh, it's a big big topic of what I what I have and discuss within kind of the professional development seminars and stuff that we do, and we talk a lot mm-hmm. about expectation management, and mm-hmm. like. That's the core of, of how, do we, how do we ensure that every single ranger that's leaving, that comes to regiment and leaves regiment, gets the best possible support and advice and counsel and opportunities that he possibly can. So right. because this is one of the most elite units in the world, and yep. I, to, be fr- to be frank, it's, it's missing out on a lot of, of opportunities that are out there for veterans and service members, And there's just been, it's just been, there's nobody been in the middle of it for so long. Like there's been this massive disconnect between what's available and, and the unit. And so people like, you know, certain people get burnt out about that. You know, they don't, they can't, they can't keep that, that momentum going. So. um, Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. I uh, mean, and and it's all just up to you when you're out to do that, you know?
0: Absolutely. You're, Absolutely. So, so keep going. So you've, uh, you've gotten into writing and uh, which you you kind of mentioned before. Now we're, we're at, Mm -hmm. uh, you've written a book.
1: Yeah, I wrote a, I wrote a book and it's called The First Marauder. It's a little bit, it's a fiction book, so it it doesn't have anything to do with Rangers, but it's kind of a, you know, Rangers know where the, where the name, where the name was inspired from, (laughs) Um yeah. but yeah, it's it's the first in a trilogy I'm writing. It's um it's about a essentially a weaponized virus wipes out a good portion of the world and so it's sort of a post apocalyptic fiction and it's set four years after this virus which they call the Red. And there's a kid who's fifteen years old and his name's Tyler Ballard. And Tyler basically his brother has just been murdered uh, by a neighboring town, and they've been, the two towns, so Tampa, which calls themselves East Tampa, East Tampa's been fighting with the neighboring town of Lakeland, and they, they've been skirmishing over resources, essentially, and Tyler's older brother, has just been killed, and he lies about his age, because you have to be 16 to join the militia, the East Tampa militia. He lies about his age and joins the fight against this neighboring uh, town. And, and the idea is that he wants vengeance and he's heard all these cool stories in the last four years of, of the war between them and all the, he knows the names of all the quote unquote war heroes, um, from, right. and all the battles they fought in in the last four years since the red. And it's, so I siphon a lot of my, it's totally obviously fiction, but I've, I've siphon a lot of my personal experiences into it. Um, you know, he's, it's about a young kid discovering combat and the reality of, of war, you know, and as a kid myself, when I, when I, I grew up overseas, my parents are aid workers. And when I was in eighth grade, um, I was in a school shooting. That's why we left the first country that we lived in. Um, I, so I, I was in a school shooting. So I, I experienced combat as a civilian, you know, as an eighth grader, you know, I just hid under a desk in the library and thankfully no children were killed. Six staff, six staff members were killed. And, and I've written about it before. It's, it's comparing, comparing it to, you know, going back to combat as a, as an adult, as a ranger, you know, trained with equipment and, and your bros out there who are some of the best trained dudes in the world. Um, and then being like a helpless kid is, is a lot different. Um, and so I kind of, and I siphon all of those experiences, being a kid, learning about combat, and then being an adult, you know, a private, uh, you know, going on my first deployment uh, all the way through becoming, you know, all the way through my fourth deployment. And, um, yeah, and putting that, that into this fictional character. It's why I love fiction. I love TV shows, books, you know, movies. I love the idea that you can, you can express very difficult to – explain sort of emotions and stuff like that through this medium of fiction, and not everybody uses that it that way a lot of people you know use it just for raw entertainment but I really like to you know express there's re- things that are really hard to explain and one thing that I think you would appreciate it that definitely um applies to transitioning is. Is this idea throughout the book Tyler's getting more and more exposed to to combat because he's fighting in this in this this war, and it, it gets, it's it's not an overly dramatic like he doesn't just become this you know super cynic like oh, I've seen hardship in war, and then he's got like a scar on his face, and now he hates yeah. the world or something it's It's not this simple <laughs> you know stereotype of, of things um he just sort of it's, it's a lot more of a quiet. Uh, he's a quiet kid. You know, he's not, he's not this, he doesn't see himself as this big hero. Uh, he's, he's like, he's like one of the, I wrote him like one of those privates you get. That's just a solid dude, you know, but he's like kind of quiet and like, but is like, you know, always good at everything. Solid PT, smart dude, that, that kind of, that kind of guy. Um, obviously really young and just sort of learning about this stuff. And, one thing, as as the book goes on, and I, I won't give anything away, but basically, as the book progresses, and as he sort of finds himself further and further into combat, and the situation changes drastically from just being a war between those two, or his position in it. Um, but as he's experiencing all this combat, he he has to be like the first the first time he hears like gunshots near the beginning, he, he just he doesn't know what to do because he's not really that well trained, and he just kind of like he's not scared but he just gets that like deer in the headlights look and he's just like uh I don't know what to do and then um you know you you see that you get a new guy and you're in platoon live fire or something and you know your new guy just does something stupid and just kind of like stands next to a tree or something you got to grab him and throw him down that kind of that kind of look um and he he uh winds up and and he could have you know he could have died you can that acting that way in combat can can get you killed, you know. You got to you have to Absolutely. you have to be useful. You have to be useful or else, you know, you're contributing to to your own death or the death of the people around you. Um and you have to be useful and proficient. And so as he goes on, he starts to feel these emotions coming up cuz he's a 15-year-old kid, you know. He doesn't he doesn't uh you know, and he doesn't have as much. He's not a ranger. He doesn't have that kind of training. So you know, he gets like two weeks of militia training and then he gets thrown into it. And, and so, I mean, as the book goes on, he starts to suppress these emotions and it's, it's not, it is unhealthy, I would say, but it's not unnecessary. He has to do it. You, you know, you're in bullets, start flying. Um, you, you see someone, you know, just get shot in the face or something, you know, you can't just sit around and you can't, you can't sit there and cry about it right then you can cry about it later a lot if you want to, you know, and, and probably good to do that. But at that moment you have to finish the fight and you have to, you know, keep going. And, and a lot of it's just like, okay, can't think about that now. Got to think about this, you know, got to like, I love, I love like realistic imagery. So, and you know, these thoughts start to start, start to seed into his head and like, you know, like, Oh man, that dude just got, like his brains shot out and then he's like, no, 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 I can't, you know, I can't think about that. I got to, you know, my weapons down is malfunction. I got to clear it out. You know, I got to, I gotta get that, get that, or I got to change my mag. You know what I mean? And my mag's like half empty and we're about to just run into this other, you know, big ass fight or something. So yeah. it's, it's a lot of little moments like that and none of it really focuses on it, but as it goes on and on and on and on, he keeps doing that. He He's suppressing all of these necessary emotions that need to get confronted at some point. And it's a post-apocalyptic world. So as it goes on, he gets this mentality that like, he's kind of always feeling like he's in combat, even if he's not, and he's not, and he knows he's not, he lets his guard down a little bit, but he's like, nah, man, I can't think about that. I gotta, I gotta figure out where I'm going to drink water for the day. You know, I gotta find clean water. or I gotta find, you know, food or something. So it's, and that's fiction is always, you know, it's a dra- Good fiction is a dramatization of reality. And, and that's kind of the, this mentality that I've seen a lot of Rangers and, and I've seen it in myself do is, is you, you very necessarily suppress these emotions through your career and it's, you, you, you gotta do it, you know? And, and I, it's not some big internal battle where I was like, you know, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, you know, or anything like that. Yeah. it's It's more like, I can't think, you know, I can't think about that right now. I got to, you know, I just doing what I got to do right now, you know, and you just yes. you do what's necessary and you, you know, you drive on. And when you're transitioning out, um, I think like, like Tyler does in this, when he, when he leaves these fights, he, you know, you, you're still wrestling with, with, it. you still keep suppressing it. Cause it's, it's how you're, you've built yourself and all of those emotions are just deep down in there. and, I think it eats away at a lot of guys. And it's, again, it's not some big dramatic, like shake your fist at the sky. Like I've seen war and like, you know, um, it's, it's just these real things that like, man, that, that like, that kind of, that one random, you know, you get in a firefight and, and you shot some people, but you know, and you know, you, you deal with that. But then this random thing, like, man, I, I, I pointed my weapon at like a, you know, like a baby or something. And it, it didn't really bother me ever in battalion. I didn't shoot the baby. I didn't do anything bad to the baby, but you know, that, that that image always sticks in my head. And, and at some point I think you need, it's really important that dudes unpack a lot of that stuff. They need to, they need to face it. You know, you, you need to face it head on those, those emotions. And, and this book doesn't really deal with unpacking it, but it, it deals with that process of, of constant suppression over a long period of time.
0: People can identify what it sounds, what it sounds, it sounds like you're saying that people are going to read this and, and they're going to be able to identify some traits in themselves that make can, p- could possibly make themselves go, wait a sec. Like that sounds, it sounds exactly how I'm acting right now. And, and sometimes when we have that like outward perspective where we're, we're re- reading somebody's train wreck of a life and then we start mm-hmm. relating our own habits. It's like, Oh wow. Yeah, I get it now.
1: Yeah, man, definitely. I mean, you, you read a book like that and you're like, okay, this kid's going to be messed up, you know, and then you think about, you reflect upon your own experiences and you're like, okay, yeah, well, I never saw, you know, I was never in this huge apocalyptic war or something, but like, you know, but I, I relate to some, these I was I part of something bigger.
0: Yeah, I was part of something bigger. I had an incredibly important mission that we trained all the time for that I was constantly drilled upon about being mm-hmm. the best and only the best and like just all of this indoctrination about mm-hmm. just everything. And then all of a sudden it's just like <clears throat> done. You know, it's kind of like,
1: yeah, exactly. You, know, you, talk yeah. That,
0: you talk about that suppressive nature to where we just suppress those feelings and everything. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, kind of like our injuries and our, 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 how our body reacts while we're, while we're yeah, serving dude, in totally. the military, you know, like you just suck it up. You're just like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm going, I'm yeah. going hundred miles an hour. It's
1: kind of like, yeah,
0: kind of like the activity during the day. Like when you're moving and you're active, you're not thinking about it. But as soon as you lay down mm-hmm. and to sleep at night, that's when all the aches and pains start showing back up. Like that's why yep. so many people have difficulty sleeping because when you, when you finally lay down, that's when all the, the thoughts in the head, that's when all the creaks and the aches and pains start showing up. And it's the same yep. with transition. Like you're able to suppress and just drive on because the mission says that you have to. And then once you're done. Once the mission is done with you, uh, then, then the floodgates open.
1: Yeah. And then what you have to realize is the mission then is yourself. I mean, you gotta, you gotta turn inward and take care of yourself. I mean, it's the same in combat. You can't, you can't be effective in combat if, if you're shot. So you gotta like, you know, that's why you don't treat the guy next to you before finishing the fight, you know? Um, because, you have to, you, as an, to be an effective human being, you know, you have to be, that's why you do PT for yourself, you know what I mean? To be more effective, yep. you t- you got to take care of yourself. Um, yeah, it takes action, right? Yep, for sure. Yeah, man. Uh, and, and, you know, I think a lot of that stuff, too, it's not that, that sense of discontent, or, you know, it can culminate into PTSD, depending on the experiences, but, you know, even people who haven't, been in a lot of combat or any combat, it still relates to that, these transition difficulties a lot, you know, and, and, um, and I think it's this underlying, it's again, I I just, it's just not, it's, it is sometimes, but it usually does not manifest itself as this ultra dramatic thing, because that would be easier to identify at least. Sometimes it does, but it it doesn't always. And a lot of guys I think can't articulate it. You know, they might, they might hear something like this and, and hear people talking about it. And they might, kind of, they might relate to it, but they don't know why. And they, maybe they're like, oh, well, it's because I know this guy who, who's experiencing that or something. But I think it's, it's that deep kind of profound sense of discontent that a lot of Rangers feel when they get out. And when they feel that, that discontent, you know, the, and that's what I'm talking about, you've got to face that stuff. You've got to dig it back up. You've got to unpack it and, and, and like, like we are just saying, take care of yourself, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it takes your own effort. Like
1: y- people yeah, decide totally.
0: their own and level their own level of levels of involvement. That's the biggest mm-hmm. thing out of out of that. And yeah, you know, That's with career. That's with your personal life. That's with your marital life. That's with your professional life. You know, me and me and Stephen Brown spoke about that in a separate podcast of like, he is, mm-hmm. he was in control of the, of his destiny at work. And he, he put forth effort and got for, got the results. It's the same. It's yep. the same with your mental health and, and your physical health. Uh, yeah. Especially at our level, we have, we're, we are too intelligent of soldiers to, yep. to let something like that, hold us down or be the excuse that keeps us from reaching our potential and, and helping yep. others reach their potentials too.
1: Um, Absolutely. So guys just got to realize that the mission includes, it's easy for them to be like, Oh, I've got this job, you know, I'm going to work my way up and I'm I'm going to apply my work ethic from battalion to, to this job. But it's also important to apply those traits, those awesome traits that you've developed and grown through battalion to those other aspects of your life that you're talking about, you know, your relationships, your, your, your friendships, your, yeah, your work, your, you know, what else, your hobbies, you know, whatever, whatever you want to do, you know, that, that sense of excellence in all, your mental health, that sense of excellence in all areas of your life.
0: hmm Absolutely. So, yep. um, you know, so now let's, let's shift like thinking about, thinking about film industry, thinking about writing, you know, if there's, because you're the, I think there's more of them. Not saying that they this is it, but between you and my friend Josh Kelly that I served with at 375, you two seem to be like the the ones that really went into film, uh, or, mm-hmm. or, or like media stuff like that. You know, anybody trying sure. to go go that route, like what? Where did you start? Like what was the? What advice do you give to somebody that's like I want to get into the film industry? You know, a fellow
1: ranger. You know, man. Like, yeah. Yeah, the one thing I would say is that you have to be, you're not, I I, I hesitate to say this the wrong way because, you know, I don't want people to take it the wrong way, but you're not a ranger anymore. You know, you have all those things. You need to be good at what you're doing now. So like a lot of guys think that like, okay, well, I'm, you know, especially in the film industry, everybody thinks, oh, not everybody, but a lot of people think this, you know, just because I'm, I'm this, uh, that makes me. You know, because I was in the military, that makes me qualified to make, you know, or to be a part of making military stories. You need to be a filmmaker first or a writer first or whatever you are first and build. And that ranger stuff is that's, a, that's your foundation, you know, but it's not it's not the way forward. The way forward is you have to be good at what you're doing. And for some reason, I think our current warrior culture has a problem not a, not a problem with everyone, but a lot of guys have a problem adapting that to the art world. Cause the art world is uh, as it is now is kind of the antithesis of a lot of aspects of it are the antithesis of, of what we see in the, in the, uh, um, in the warrior world. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the values and ideas, but uh, that hasn't always been the case. And people, I think a lot of people don't realize that, you know, there's a lot of really combat weather dudes that, have written or, or produced some, some awesome stuff throughout history. It's just, that's more of actually of our generation now, that divide. Um, so, so they'd be kind of a trailblazer, but they got to realize that dudes like, like C.S. Lewis, the guy who wrote The line, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and all the other Narnia books, that guy was a 19-year-old right. infantryman in World War I in the battle, the battle of the Somme, where I think the British took 56,000 casualties in a single day. He's a 19-year-old wow. kid back then. Um, and, and, you know, J.R.R. Tolkien fought in that same battle. He was an officer. Um, and, uh, he wrote Lord of the Rings. I mean, you know, you got guys like Hemingway, who was an ambulance driver who got wounded by mortar fire in um, in world war two, I think. Uh, and then, oh uh, no, world war one, sorry. And then world war two, he was a uh, journalist and he did some stuff in the Spanish civil war just prior to world war two and, and all this stuff like you know the, the the warrior culture and the art the art culture they don't have to be separate, um, right? And but you will be trailblazing if if you're if you're one of the guys trying to uh, break into into that. But at the bo- at the the bottom line is is what a lot of people don't realize is that filmmakers, you know, publishers, all these people, their their business their their businesses first. Yeah. Shakespeare was uh, is a world-renowned you know poet and playwright, but he was actually a really, really solid businessman as well. Uh, and that's why that's a lot of, you know, you can attribute his success to, uh, in part to that. And so you just got to know the industry. You got to be good at it. You know, uh, it's, it's like, you know, you go to battalion, you're, you're a really good shot or something like that. Like, that's cool. That's going to help you. Great. You need to also know how to do about a million other things. Uh, and, and it's <laughs> the same with, with filmmaking or, or writing or probably any, any job really. It's like, Okay, you know, you you bring you bring this to the table, use that to your advantage, 100% use it and and thrive off of it and then get good at these other things. You know, you got to be a good writer, you got to be a good filmmaker. Um Yep.
0: Yeah, that's uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's just it's it's fluidity. I mean, it's just jack of all trades. Getting on there, um I'm sure I'm sure part of it is just like putting your pride in your pocket and possibly doing things that uh you know I, I hate using the term beneath you but like it, oh no it's, it's like yeah. sometimes squad leaders are going to have to dig split trenches
1: yeah oh 100% like i mean it's it's yeah dude exactly you got i call it doing your private time again you got if you're getting out of one industry and going into another it's very even if you have a degree or whatever you know you get out you use your gi bill which is awesome and i personally i'm a big school nerd i love school um and i used my gi bill and i loved it um but i, I had no no expectations that i wouldn't have to do my private time again i'm not going to walk into some you know multi-million dollar industry and be middle management from day 1 just because i was a leader in the military uh that would be nice and i could probably even if i know that i could fulfill that position i just have to be prepared to do my private time again to work my way up the ladder because like it or not if you got out you're out and so you're, you you find another ladder and like you, what you were talking about you know you got to start on that bottom rung And ironically, I think if you actually start on that bottom rung and you don't try to skip steps, you'll climb it faster, you know, um, overall, over the years. You know, if you get a part-time job somewhere in the industry that you want to go in and, you know, you just work that part-time job that's like this semi-relevant job to what you want to do, but you know there's another position in that industry. Eventually, you get hired on full-time like a year or even two years later. Eventually, you get... You know you just work your way up and um as opposed to a lot of guys who who will find a hold them over job and apply for like middle to high level management positions or something like that for a long time um, and and they won't they won't get them because you know just because the mechanics of whatever industry they're in, usually you know promotion from the inside or they only promote they only hire people they know or whatever it is um you know, you just, people got to be willing to do that private time again. And, and and, uh, you know, what's, what's funny though, is that sounds like it sucks, but I think once you know that a lot of Rangers are totally ready to just jump, to start digging slit trenches, like you said, to totally jump back into the, into the muck, Uh, you know, like if you have a, if you have an objective, you know, I'll be like, yeah, I'll mop floors for like a little while. I don't care. Like whatever. I'm just going to, I'm going to keep going. But just realizing that I think is, is what's empowering. And, And, and you know, I, it, it sort of, yeah, it just, it just helps, helps empower you to push forward and have, have a, a clear objective. And, you know, that clear objective in my mind is so important.
0: So it's what
1: drives you to, you know, it's what propels you forward.
0: No, I mean, I mean, it, it, like, it, I think there's tons of different sayings out there that help. Uh, I mean, one that I've really resonated with is Jocko Willink's discipline equals freedom guys. I, yeah. I don't, I'm, I, I totally. can't, begin to you know reiterate how much how important discipline in our lives is and and like I love I love being disciplined because it allows Mm -hmm. me to have excuses for certain things of like I'm disciplined and it it gets me out of things it gets me it keeps me engaged in certain things and like Mm -hmm. just that that whole the whole process of losing that discipline and, and it that that comes in so many different forms but yeah, they're the opportunity to kind of help coach people to not have such a, such a long period where they ditch that, uh, is important yeah, because, uh, you know, you got to figure like, how old were you when you got out of the military?
1: I was 24.
0: Oh yeah. So you had your entire, like you still had an entire life ahead of you. Yeah. So Oh,
1: totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm 28 now. Um, so I'm, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I, it's, you know, I just, I got a lot of flexibility around, around me. And, and I think that the, as I sort of, you know, the, the older I get, not to say that I'm old at all, but the older I get, the more, you know, I, I realize that there's no reason why I should ever be too old to do really anything. I mean, I remember when I was considering reenlisting, I talked to a, a dude who was uh corporal at the time and he was, but he was an older guy. He was like, you know, older for a battalion. He was 28, 29. Um, and I was like, "Is it gonna feel weird for you, like getting out at, at around that age?" Because I was thinking, if I re-enlist again, that's the age I'm, I'm gonna get out at. And uh, he was like, "No way, man. <laughs> He's like, Nah. This is, you know, it's just whatever. You just get out and keep doing what you're doing. Um, and, you know, my, you know, my parents are, you know, my parents are like in their early 60s, and and they're still doing aid work overseas and starting projects and and."
0: That's legit. You know, Out
1: in the mud and doing all sorts of stuff. There's no reason why you're ever too old to do anything, I feel like. And, and guys in battalion, you know, I, I say that not to people in the regular civilian world. I say that to guys in battalion who, who are getting out at, at ages that realistically aren't old at all, <laughs> um, like me. Right. You know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and it's like, dude, you, you're under no pressure to just have everything figured out by the time you're 30. You know what I mean? Because it's never going to, you know, you're never going to have everything completely figured out anyway. But uh, the main thing is that you, you found another battle to fight um, because Rangers need something to fight. And, and, um, you know, a lot oh, of it's man, an internal no battle.
0: <laughs> and, yeah. We certainly you know, do.
1: <laughs> it, it helps so much to have an external battle. You know what I mean? Uh, a lot of the battles is internal. Uh, it, it's helped me to actually read books, and, and you might resonate with this, uh, I, I read like I really resonated with Tribe. Um, mm, you know that book a good by book. Sebastian yeah, Younger or Junger or Junger—I don't know how to say his name—that uh, wound up becoming one of my favorites. And uh, I read uh, the Lakota Way, which is uh, philosophies of the Lakota Native Americans. Um, and it's—it's it's, uh, you know I, I appreciate a lot of the the things in there. People who have lived sort of tribal lives. You know I don't necessarily. I'm not the type of dude who, who wants to like go off and, and, you know, live in a, in a tent in the woods for the rest of my life. But, uh, you know, I appreciate everything that modern life has to offer. Uh, and I love my TV, you know, but, uh, uh, I, there are a lot of philosophies and stuff that, that I've found that I appreciated from reading books like that. The next is, uh, the way of the samurai that I'm reading. It's an older, older book. Um, super cool. And, and really interesting at, at how that culture kind of integrated, um, literature and, and, and scholars like scholarly thought into the warrior sort of ethos. Um, so that, yeah. that's, that's something I'm just starting now, but, uh, stuff like that, man, helps you delve inward reading books and, and, uh, I'm a slow reader, you know, I, I probably write faster than I read, <laughs> but, uh, uh, I get through them eventually.
0: I, I, trust me, I just, ever since I switched over to audiobooks, my life has has changed because it takes yeah. me forever to read a paper copy um, right. I will say, <laughs> yeah. you know, and and this is my next uh, my next subject of, or I should say, you you are you are one of two friends of mine that agree, that uh, are veterans that do fictional fictional writing. I know there's ton tons more out there, but people that I actually sure. know, another guy yeah, that yeah. Surfaced, who is actually a three seven five guy, Jason Castle. Nice. You ever heard that? Yeah. You ever Heard his name? Okay. Uh the name's familiar. Yeah. yeah. He was. Uh, he 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 came in battalion about. A couple months after me, uh-huh. like six months or so, he was a private – we were privates together. And he, he's written quite a few books, uh, fiction as awesome. well. And then yeah. one of my buddies here local wrote a book called Gentle Propositions, which is uh, – he, he. and I'm, I'm butchering it, but he, he, he interviewed a ton of Maxar, um guys and LERP sure. guys from Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, and all that. And he put all their stories uh-huh. into one fictional novel.
1: Uh, and and awesome.
0: he's he's got a he's got a sequel coming out, but I mean that was cool. that book alone. I couldn't put that one down. I mean it was nice. it was an incredible read. And then that was validated because yeah. my my stepdad's a Air Force veteran, Vietnam vet, and like uh-huh. I don't think I've ever seen him seen him read a book in his life. And yeah, yeah. I gave <laughs> him that book after I read it, thinking, man, I'll get this back in a year. And he gave it to me a week <laughs> later, and he was like, I'm done, man. Yeah, that yeah. was really good. And I was like, holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. You know how to nice. read. <laughs> no, yeah, that's awesome,
1: dude. But, you know what, uh, I, what I love about I love about fiction is that uh, I think I think the most important written content is just history because you know for 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 a from a practical standpoint, it's important to have all the facts down. But there are certain facets of the human experience that that uh, nonfiction can't cover, and a lot of a lot of things are are those, those elements of the human experience, like a lot of things you experience in war that can't really just be described by a simple retelling of facts. You know what I mean? You have a lot of that kind of yeah. stuff and fiction gets the opportunity to do it in a, in a somewhat entertaining way. I mean, entertaining can mean a whole lot of things. It can be, it can mean like stepbrothers funny and it can also mean like save, whatever you would call saving private Ryan. I don't know that, you know, entertaining or, or whatever it's engaging, it's engaging and compelling. And, uh and, you know, so it, it fiction gives you the opportunity to do that, and I wish I wish more veterans would would get into fiction storytelling in some way or another. And oh I, man, it's I, amazing! I hope that we see more of it. Um, yeah, because they just have so much to so much to speak on about in regards to the human experience. You know, and they and have now all of this- I
0: real- yeah, no, they do. I mean, I, I feel like there's, there's room out there for them. And, and now I feel mm-hmm. incredibly shitty because I forgot to mention that I, know, that I, in fact, know Marty Scoblin and Leo Jenkins as well. They are right. Oh, now, yeah. I don't know why I wouldn't think yeah. of them. Uh, but, I, I mean, I, there is something to be said. Like, And, and it, like going back to general propositions, there was a part in the book – that made me like visibly uncomfortable reading. There was a part where like the team was in the jungle and like 70 NDA walked within like a foot of this dude. And like my heart rate elevated (laughs) and like I got, I was in the story and just like stories Mm -hmm. like that, just penmanship like that is incredible. It is in in fact an absolute art and it's really cool. when somebody is, is able to kind of make that as their profession, you know, the passion, the profession that way.
1: Yep. Yeah, absolutely, man. I love doing it, you know, and, and I love the idea of bringing it back because, you know, warriors have been storytellers for a really, really long time and it's just kind of a thing, a modern thing that they're not. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see guys like that bringing it back and I'm, I'm, I, I enjoy doing it. So I'm happy to contribute to it.
0: Right on, right on. Well, um, I, I will leave it with, uh, you know, we, we usually end with the last question being, you know, if you had anything to say to, um, you know, you can break it up. If you had anything, if you have anything, any advice for veterans or in, any advice for young Rangers, a Ranger that just graduates RASP, he's, he's in battalion now and he's got at least three and a half years ahead of them to, mm-hmm. uh, in, in regiment. What's, what's your advice for that guy, that young Ranger,
1: what's your one one just... piece
0: of advice for him.
1: I would say strive for excellence in everything you do. And I mean, that, that goes beyond your job as a ranger, but it certainly includes your job as a ranger. Strive for excellence in your own mental health and in the, the things you do in the morning and the, in your, you know, whatever pursuits you have on your free time, all of it, you know, your relationships with your girlfriend or, you know, your parents or whatever. Strive for excellence in all, in all aspects of your life.
0: Right on. That's a good, that's a good way to put it. Uh, You know, especially we, we, we say this phrase all the time, but yet certain Mm -hmm. parts of our lives, we wait for people to come around. Like we need to Mm -hmm. lead the way. We need to lead the way in everything that we do. And that way we have nobody to blame, but ourselves when we don't achieve the results and get to the objective that we wanted to get to.
1: Yeah, man, leading the way is the da- It's a daily effort. You've never achieved it. So, um, that is
0: right. Well, um, yep. excellent, man. Uh, well, without giving away like personal email or phone number, if somebody wanted to pick up the book, what, how, how can somebody get the book right now?
1: Yeah, man, it's exclusive on Amazon. It's called The First Marauder by Luke Ryan, and it's available on paperback and Kindle.
0: Okay, and I'll have you send me the link so we can put it in the, uh, the, the About This episode uh, description. Absolutely. So people, you can have the link for that one. Um, awesome. Well, man, Luke, i got to say thank you for uh, taking the time today to, to get on here and chat a little bit about uh, your book, about life in and out of the battalion. Out of battalion. So, um, man. Yeah, man. It'll be, it'll you be great to run into you. It'll be great to run into you again soon. Hopefully, one of these days, it'll be on a range that I get to shoot that rifle we gave you.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Yep. <laughs> I got to give that, that thing a spin.
0: That is a beautiful piece, that, and that will be the only Dude. rifle I ever get made.
1: <laughs> that thing is, is awesome. Not going to lie.
0: It was, uh, it was quite the ordeal. To, uh, to get, and, and, and my my plans for getting the rifle and, and raffling it were supposed to be like a year and a half ago, and it was, I mean, it was totally my fault. It was a huge debacle, and I sat on it forever, mm-hmm. and I'm, so I'm very thankful that we finally got to give it away. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I'll, it, I'll put it, got, it to
1: good use, man.
0: It's in the good, good hands, so.
1: Yeah, um, for sure.
0: Right on, man. Well, um, thank you for everybody listening. Again, uh, Ranger for Life podcast, if you are a ranger. Uh, range of family, uh, veteran, active duty, doesn't matter. If you want to be on the podcast, please email us at podcast at darbyproject.org. Thank you again, and that is it for us.